Welcome to an unusual episode of a Good Man Factory podcast. Um, I'm a guest host today. My name is Hussein, and I'm joined by Rizzy. Follow. Um, and today's episode is is one that is um, I guess would resonate with a lot of people, a lot of young people who, um, a lot of young men, let me say, who are sort of opening up to the world of investment, um, the world of money, um, making financial decisions, and so. What we'll be discussing is, um, amongst many other things, sort of the recent, recent crypto hype and where we stand in it and what our mindset is. So um, let me start off by asking both of you guys, um, when did you sort of uh, discover crypto? That's a good question. <laughs> um, I'll say 2013. Oh, so you've been, you've been, you've known about it for, for a long time. Then. Yeah, I've known about it for a long time. Um, when it comes to crypto, I didn't see it as a form of investment. I just saw it as a method of payment. Okay. So the way I look at crypto now is completely different, but I have known and been using Bitcoin since, you know, just to buy things online. I've been using it since 2013, I'd say. Um, oh, and so when you, when you say it's a, a form of payment, what sort of led you to believe that it is a form of payment? Because uh, I'm, I'm guessing it's Bitcoin first, isn't it? Yeah, Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Bitcoin. Bitcoin. So it started off with Bitcoin. Um, you know, there was a lot of like dark webs and pages that accepted it as a method of payment to get things online. So yeah, that's 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 what I was mainly using it for. And and where where did you sort of just hear about crypto or like discover it? Yeah, same thing really. Like back um. Back around like 2012, 2013 times, um, came in as a new method of payment. And it was us, it was quite interesting because it was a way to move value online without using your bank account. Mm. Does that make sense? So that that caught my in that was really interesting to me. Do you know what I mean? Because we're so used to being moving money online through our bank accounts that we are sort of oblivious to an an alternative way to do that. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was really interesting to me. So look. Let me ask, like, obviously when it comes to sort of financial decisions, there's always a trepidation amongst like young guys, like guys who grew, sort of grew up in, a, in our era. And um, obviously we, we weren't very well educated in school when it comes to these investments and stuff like that. But as you go, as you grow older, sort of by a process of osmosis or whatever you want to call it, you start to like pick up on these things. So what's your, what's your attitude towards towards money when it comes to like investing? Did you ever have a sort of a strategy in your mind or is that something that you discovered like as you sort of matured up until the late twenties? I never had a strategy. Um, You kind of, I just, you kind of just jumped, I just kind of just jumped to it, you know, um, jumped into the deep end and, you know, just thought, ah, let me just see how I can make money through markets and, um, you know, just like investing, whether that be business or, just, you know, investing in someone else's idea. Um, Cause I've got like loads of creatives in my family. So, you know, they might need some money to start something, mm. but um, yeah, just the lessons learned is what led me to being the type of person who creates a strategy before I invest in something. Now mm. I've had to go through like a lot of downside to making mistakes. Um, but early in my investing years, like I'll say back in like 20s, 2000 and, 15, 16, 17, you know, I, I can admit that I didn't really know what I was doing, but, you know, I was just learning, you know, willing to learn, you know, reading books, just making mistakes. And that's basically made me who I am today. And so it's, it's that mistake thing is, is one that a lot of people sort of shy away from because obviously mistakes for like Mandem comes across as like, oh, you took an L, but mm it's seldom like looked at as, as some kind of sort of le- lesson learned. So how do you sort of like manage that sort of relationship with making a mistake and learning lesson to like having that pressure of wanting to show like, Oh, actually I made money or I invested. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a really, that's a good question, man. That's a good question. Um, I want to start off by saying like, Definitely, I agree with what Rizzy said. Like, you, you do make mistakes along the way. You need to make those mistakes. Um, like he said, sometimes it seems like, you know, you've taken an L or you've failed. But 
mistakes are just one step away from success. I mean, like literally there's a very thin line between the two. So um, yeah, mistakes are normal. They're going to happen. They need to happen. And as you said, like you, as you mature through your mistakes, you then start to develop a strategy. Some, some of your strategy is based on what happened because of those mistakes. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's really, it's really interesting, man. I, I mean, definitely need to embrace it. need to take the good with the bad. It's crazy though. Cause don't you think like with sort of this whole notion of like having to invest uh, as if it's like, as if it's a task, it is something that sort of throws you off. Cause I know for me personally, I got into, yeah, I, I was always interested in economics and, and money and finance from, from quite young, from quite a young age. So I was always looking at it, but when you sort of see people and, and they sort of feel like it's an obligation that it's a task that they have to do that sort of like takes away from the joy, in my opinion of like it being part of your life, it being part of you growing up and whatnot. So like, we were talking before the recording about like sort of it being money and, and everything that we see around us being an illusion, how we sort of come to realize that. Do you feel like you can reset what you think and, and say, okay, I want to come into this and change my ideas, change, change the way I think about money, change the way I think about investment. Or do you think it's too late for that? No, uh, it's hundred percent not too late. You have to, 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 to learn things. You sometimes have to unlearn first. So, um, it's definitely never, ever too late. Number one. And number two, the, the second best time to start something is now. Mm. You know what I mean, so you can't dwell on the past. Second best time is now. Like that's all you've got. Yeah. And, um, say, um I, I just feel like we have no choice but to adopt, uh, you know, just in, investing and trying to grow your money. I, I feel like it's got to that point. Mm. Like the world has forced us to invest. I feel like if you don't invest, you're doomed. Oh. That's it, my mentality. That's honestly. interesting. That's interesting. Cause that like, to me, it's very interesting sort of from a, a like an observational perspective because yeah. there's a pressure there and like that speaks to sort of the inequality that we come from in it. Cause uh-huh. when you come from a certain type of inequality, there's a pressure. You feel like you have to make it. There's always this no underlying notion of like, I don't want to be back where I was once upon a time. Uh-huh. Whereas people coming into it from a, a position of privilege, never think that way. Like never have that privilege, never have that pressure, which I would potentially say gives them an edge over us. Uh-huh. Because they go into it with a clear mind. We go into it with tons of pressure. Tons of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, we're, we're kind of like <laughs> thinking, I have to do this. But to them, it's like, okay, I'm diversifying my portfolio. It exists already that mm-hmm. I was handed down by my parents and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, to me as an observer, I just think like so much of what we think, how we think about money. And, and the reason why I asked you guys is, 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 comes from a place of inequality. Now we're aware of that inequality, right? Yeah. Like we, we clock that, okay, we've not come from a position of privilege, rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. But that has to also then reflect onto, and obviously the world is like largely awakened into like, oh, supporting black businesses, supporting, you know, ethnic businesses, supporting women, supporting this. And you see that in tech, you see it everywhere. The world is waking up to it. But then I think we're still not, we're still not completely past that whole pressure thing. Yeah. And I think that sort of then, which leads me to my main point is why so many people now feel like, feel like there's FOMO, feel like, oh, I need to get into, you know, cyber, um, cryptocurrencies now. So like, have you guys ever felt that FOMO in this, in this period? Like, and, and be honest, it, it is what it is. Um, no, nah, cause I feel like, I feel like I, I went through that FOMO period years ago. Mm. And yeah, I mean, not in this period. I'm lucky. I feel like I'm blessed because I've met, I made my mistakes early mm. years ago. So now I've got a clear, I've got clear headspace. I know pretty much know what I'm doing. You know, I know how to, to take control of my emotions. And um, yeah, I get what you mean about the pressure because 
the pressure often leads you to making mistakes because mm. like you feel like you need to do something. Whereas I don't know when it comes to investing, I've kind of learned to just fall back and allow opportunities to, 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 to come by mm. and you take advantage of it mm. rather than forcing opportunities and looking for opportunities. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. you got to do it. you got to do a bit of both though. I feel like you got to have, like, you got to be like, all right, you know what? Like maybe when this, investment like when it starts coming into my buy region like when things start flashing buy signals over there then I'll jump in on that but in the meantime I'm gonna analyze look around see what's going on like try and develop opportunities myself as well if that makes sense but definitely have your eyes on certain things add to your um, add positions to your portfolio where you need like when you see when you when you feel the need to like when there's price dips and stuff like that do you know what I mean like you have to your portfolio you have to it's like a puzzle you've got to always keep on Taking bits and bits out and putting bits mm. back in, like, do you know what I mean? So Yeah, is that you're right. You're absolutely yeah. right. It's dynamic. There's yeah, it's yeah. never a static position that you just leave it at. Exactly. And you yeah. have to constantly tinker with it. Yes, yes, hundred percent. Yeah. Do you feel like everybody has that type of mentality of of um you know, just moving things around in the portfolio? I feel like I come across a lot of people that just want to get a position in whatever it is they're investing in and they have this like hold forever mentality. It's, ta- it's time stocks. consuming, isn't it? It's, it's time consuming. That's the issue. Yeah. And obviously it's not only time consuming, it's, it's very emotional as well. Not everybody like, even though everywhere, eh, most people pretend to like be, you know, rational investors, all of us are irrational in many ways. Uh-huh, and uh-huh. so we like, we've, we could have had a bad day at work or we could have had like a, a relationship that's breaking down and, we let those emotions um, play um, into your investing decision or into your portfolio, into this financial decisions you make on a day-to-day basis. So I think, I think to most people being actively, um, you know, present in the investment world is, is too much for them. And so it is safer in many ways to just like dump a bit of money in some funds and let the funds sort of do the work. But then obviously you have to also have to remember these financial instruments are a new innovation in, in society. And if you go back a thousand years and you, a thousand years, you had some money, you'd never like profile these money to like some random people that you don't know, you've never met and you expect them to deliver you profits. Mm-hmm. So obviously it, it is an evolutionary thing. Um, it's not easy, but it's also like, I mean, I'm sure you guys like, uh, Let's let's sort of move it towards like um, a, a sort of a business um, approach. Yeah, I'm sure you guys have have had your side hustles, main hustles, or whatever kind of work that you're doing. You you know how extremely like excruciating it is. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, what is easy in the sense that? I don't feel like when it comes to making money, it's ever easy. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, there's a particular level of difficulty when it comes to like having to manage everything, having to manage your cash flow and your marketing and your this and your that. So don't you think that for many people, it's just sensible to avoid that altogether? Yeah. I mean... What is in like avoid business, avoid investing. Yeah, avoid it completely just and just completely. get your job and and you know, like because it's all down to your tolerance, right? True. It's yeah. it's down to the individual mainly. But for us, I just can't imagine not being in a position where I'm taking control and mm. it's like I'm putting certain things in place for an outcome. Mm. I've always feel like I need to work towards something. So I don't know, I just it goes back to that inequality then that we've been speaking about where you, when you do come from, um, you know, inequality, you feel like you need to work and strive for things because yeah. you've never had the privilege of not being able to not strive and work for things. So yeah, I think that kind of answers the question really. Like it's, it's like, there's no option. Have to sometimes. There's no, it's like, it's like, there's yeah. no option. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's, it's really like, 
messed up that that this is the position and it is what it is. I mean, just we're we're relatively privileged compared to like people around the world. Yeah, 100%, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who have to really fend for themselves on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it also speaks to so many other things because I'm just all these ideas coming to my head right now, like including, for example, investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you invest in yourself? Like, obviously, it sounds like this utopian idea that's fantastic and whatever. But what does it look like in real life? Like, to 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 your individual cases, what does it look like? Um, yeah, just like maybe taking the time to you know upskill yourself, you know, learn some new skills, um, maybe buying better food to eat, taking care of yourself. Like, those are all parts of things of investing in yourself because you need to take care of number one first. And then, then when you make yourself the best number one you can be, then you can go out there and, you know, make the plays that you need to make. So investing in yourself is just, I would just say, generally taking care of yourself, but also getting, being practical about it, like learning new skills and actively, you know, working on them as well. Let me, let me sort of throw that back at you then, because if you're looking after yourself, mm-hmm. and obviously in the case of where you have a family, you have kids, mm-hmm. um, does like uh, to me personally i i think that yourself is like your family is an extension of yourself mm-hmm, is, so yeah. is that investment in yourself including this social investment um where you invest in these relationships you invest in this like interaction yeah no 100% 100% you do like sometimes when you are coming from equality as well you there's always maybe that one person in the family that takes care of everyone else so that goes without saying um that you have to, you know, like you said, the family's and your family is an extension of yourself. So you have to take care of them. Um, and that's part, that's part of investing in yourself as well. But the problem is you can't let it overwhelm you, if that makes sense. You have to, because a lot of people get overwhelmed when they're, you know, the number one primary caretaker and stuff like that. You have to just accept that that is what it is at the moment and have a way to like structure your life around that, if that makes sense. So you need to, you can't, you need to make sure that everything else is in place whilst you are doing that. You know what I mean? You, you have kids, don't you? No. Oh, you don't? No. Oh, okay, cool. So, I, I mean, I just wanted to throw it out to see if there's sort of that having to worry about kids. But then in, in your case, what did it look like sort of, what, do, what does this uh, taking care of yourself or investing in yourself look like? Um, <clears throat> so it all starts off with demand. Um, educating myself. You know, just constantly learning, you know, just seeking for knowledge constantly. Um, that's taking care of myself. Also just um, taking care of my mental health. It's got to be right if I'm, you know, like, you know, paying attention to the markets and I'm investing in the markets. My mind's got to be clear. You know, if I'm dealing with stuff, that's like a bit traumatic. You know, I've got no headspace to think about making money, you know. Because health always comes first. But um, yeah, you, you know, it's funny you said that about the, like being the one in your family to take care of stuff because that goes back to the inequality stuff. You know, people from, you know, privileged backgrounds, do they have to worry about taking care of the whole family? Mm-hmm. That's, that's extra pressure that we've got on ourselves to think my parents are counting on me, you know? Oh. And that's con- that constantly plays in my mind. Like my parents are good. But, you know, when they retire, I've got to make sure they're good. I've got to, I feel like that pressure's on me. Mm. You understand? So, because who else is going to do it? Who, who else is going to help them, you know, after they retire? So, um, yeah, I just think yeah, that's no, very interesting. Yeah, these are really good points. I mean, these are, and, and it's also like lived experiences that everyone has mm. that, you know, uh, whether there's times where you have to step up and say, okay, I'm going to take the lead right now. Like it could be that a family member is unable to at the time. They might have lost a job and might be unhealthy, whatever. Um, so that really speaks to, to, to obviously the inequality thing. But I mean, to move on the, the, the discussion to something a bit more sort of um, up, upbeat. Uh, let, me not, let me not say upbeat, but I, I think this one's an important question for me because I'm really interested in finding out. So you obviously invest in yourself, you invest, in, you invest time with your extension of yourself, your family, whatever. What about now? Like, what would be your take on investing in your friends? 
So supposing a friend comes up to you with an idea, and this is something that I've been recently, like I've recently discovered in that happens in many sort of um, circles of like privilege is where they keep the money in house and amongst certain circles. Do you do you have you historically had that mindset where you'd invest in your friend if your friend came up to you and you've got a bit of money to spare and said, you know, can you drop me like you know five ten bags like I've got this little idea? What would be your approach to that? I think that's a good yeah. question for you. To answer. Yeah, no, hundred percent, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm totally like with that stuff kind of thing still because at the end of the day, um, sometimes you do have to you know send some of your wealth out there to try and work for you. Yeah. If you're sending some of your wealth out there and you've got a friend who has a business idea is in a field, why not keep the money in house? Do you know what I mean? Why not keep, why not keep the money within the circles? Because like you said, a lot of people from privileged backgrounds, they do that. They keep the money within the circle. So everyone's empowering each other. So like, that's why I'm always big on, you know, sharing resources and information with those around me, because I feel like if I'm helping them, I'm helping myself. Do you, yeah. do you think though, as, as like growing up in, in the environments that we grew up in and, and especially like being part of this sort of urban environment, do you think that's something that is part of the culture? No, or, no, it's, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't come naturally. That's one thing we could be honest and say. No, it doesn't. I think that like, do you know, do you know what the word, um, do you know what the word crony means? Yeah. I think there's a lot of crony that's starting to develop in our, communities like what is, what is cronyism basically so like um everyone's like keeping their circles really really tight and not trying to so it's like moving in clicks essentially yeah exactly yeah not trying to reach out and help other people i mean i feel like that's happening quite a lot so let's that's, say you had let's say you had a friend that had say someone had a friend that had a business idea but they wasn't in their certain click or circle they might not help them out mm. you know what i mean so that, that that that's really a thing, like in the UK, yeah, especially. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, yeah. there's, there's like, there's like, there's circles, and you can see someone doing something amazing, but you don't know them, so you feel like, I'll never reach out. Mm-hmm. That's not my boy. Mm-hmm. And then even when it comes to supporting people, that like there's a lot of, I only support my friends. I only support why? people that I know. Why? Why do you think that is? I mean, I couldn't tell you why. I just feel like it's something that I've noticed, you know, especially in the UK. I feel like when I look at other countries, I feel like you see a lot of people collaborate because, you know, they're from the same area or because, I don't know, he's doing something similar to me and we're the same skin tone. So, you know, it makes sense. Mm. But I feel like in the UK, it's like there's a lot of circles and cliques and, it, that kind of hinders everyone from, you know, achieving greatness together. But it started from when we was young though, because that, that's mm. what it was like when we was younger. Yeah. It's just kind of carried on now that we're a bit older, just in like maybe when we was younger, it was, you know, everyone who was in the same area. Now it's like maybe some people that are in a certain industry, some people that are, I feel like a lot of, we've got a very bad issue of populism as well. Like there's a popularity mm. contest going on everywhere. So I, like, I didn't want to be the one to say it. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's the main, that's one, that's a big issue as well. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're learning it from, you know, other cultures. It's not, it's not a thing that should be within our culture because we've never been like that. You know what I mean? Like, so, so how, how much of it do you think is related to the fact that there is no sort of united community when it comes to that, where it's like, there's tons of subcultures and people subscribe to li- little subcultures. We all sort of vaguely subscribe to this bigger culture, like this sort of urban culture, but then there's so many subcultures. How much do you think that's part of it? Cause it, to me, it just seems like we on the face of it, we're a collective, but when you sort of pick at it, there is no collective and it's all just like you said, clicks. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. hundred percent. So like, I mean, if you think about it, like traditionally our backgrounds and our cultures have always been like, they've been united together. Do you know what I mean? Like that's how we're even blessed to even be in this country is because our ancestors put in the work for us. Do you know what I mean? Like, otherwise there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be equality today, would there? There wouldn't be, Do you know what I mean? So we're even in the position we are because of that, you know, people we, we used to work together and, and help each other out. 
But now I feel like because of this, you know, subcultures that are around, we've just been divided again. It's also, I think, I think my, from, from what I observe, it, there's also this like immense sense of competition, inter-competition amongst us. Like I would, like f- for instance, me and you may be in the same industry, like production or, or let's say technology or whatever. I feel like, from what I've seen and experienced, like people would feel like I'm, I'm, I'm eating a piece of the pie that was destined for you. And that sort of, you know, like stops them from joining together to create bigger value. And, and, and so like, but that sense of competition again, plays back to this initial sense of inequality. Why are we like this? Like we're conditioned in this way. You know what I mean? Like, we're literally conditioned to like want to grab, you know, food from each other. Yeah. And so it's like, that's, that's what I've observed. But what do you think? Do you know what? It's, it, it all stems from, um, you know, having a scarcity mindset. You know, I think out of all the people I know in this world, I probably know 15% of the people that I know have an abundant mindset. And when you have an abundant mindset, you understand that no one takes from you, you know, there's, there's enough for everybody. And I feel like not many, like not a lot of people adopt that, that mindset. If we all had an abundant mindset, we wouldn't think that way. So it's, it, it clearly highlights who has an abundant mindset and who has a scarcity mindset. What, what is an abundant mindset? An abundant mindset is just understanding that everything flows in abundance and nothing can stop you from getting what's yours. Do you understand? And just because you're winning doesn't mean that I'm losing or just because you're getting it doesn't mean that I can't get it. We can get it together. Like we're not fighting for the same thing. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. What I want to add to that as well, when you have an abundant mindset, you understand that even if it's not your time right now, because of the abundance that's out there, it will find you eventually. You know what I mean? Mm. So um, yeah, that's, that's just another thing I wanted to add to it. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because uh, I mean, these sort of like, terms of the very recent terms have been sort of popularized in recent times but i mean it stems from like economic theory like if we look at it like there are there's schools of economic thought that say actually there isn't limited number of resources and human ingenuity can help us create eternal wealth for everybody yeah Mm -hmm. and and obviously that doesn't really play too well for uh capitalism because obviously capitalism is the you know the accumulation of wealth and power and so we, where we where this discussion is initially financial you then realize that there's so many factors that play into it so political factors there are social factors there are um sort of you know background and community factors so moving forward in in terms of like if you were to shape society in a better way if you were to shape society for us in a better way. And let's not say society at large, but the society that we grew up in, that our kids may grow up in. How would you do that? Uh, Just from like a financial perspective, forget everything else. From like a money perspective, what kind of lessons would you be drilling into your kids? Um, It's a really, really good question. A really tough one as well. Um, I think that the only thing I would want to drill into my kids is that like you can be anything you want um, because we live in a time where there is abundance. And like you said, we can create eternal wealth for everyone. And hopefully when my, I've got, I've got a son when he's older, hopefully he's cause he's, he's only free right now. When he's older, I'm hoping that he's going to have better opportunities than what I had, like when I got to like 16, 18 and stuff, you know what I mean? Cause I've, I've got a long time to prepare for him. Um, and I've got a long time to, to sort of teach him what I didn't know. And then whatever path he decides to take with the knowledge I give him and obviously the wealth that is left there for him, because no matter what, if you've got an idea, it needs, you need some form of wealth. You need some sort of resources. You need something to make that idea, um, come to life. So. I think it's more just letting him know he can do everything he can. Um, letting him know I'm going to have, I'm going to make sure that I do my part to help him. 
and then supporting him whatever direction he's he decides to go. Mm. Yeah. And and obviously that obviously has sort of quite a few implications. I don't want to get too too technical with it, but you know, there's do you want him to live in the same society that you, you that we see right now? Or do you want him if you were to change certain factors that he he's gonna live in, mm. what factors would you change? Obviously, besides the wealth element. What factors would I change? All right, I'm gonna say. To be honest, yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say, yeah, like, what I would change is a bit bigger than me. I would change stuff like, you know, big government and big government regulation. Now, why I do that is because I believe that the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. So we need a limited government, first of all, because what that does is that frees up resources for the private sector. So this, this abundance that we're talking about, it's very, it's, 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 it's out there, but it's very hard because there's a lot of, you know, people at the top getting first dibs at that abundance and stuff. And then it's just trickling down what's left for the citizens. So, I mean, in, in the past, we've had limited government and in, 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 in wealthy nations and stuff. And for a period of time, people were, you know, more free than they were, than they are now. But as government has gotten bigger and bigger, freedoms of the citizens has to get, you know, has to become mm. limited because the resources and, and the wealth and the power has been shifted if that makes sense. That's what happens in wealth transfers. Um, so what, what I would change is, you know, the, the, the structure of, you know, government and how the leaders think. Not the structure, but I would just limit, you just got to limit it really. And truly. So, so essentially yeah. what you want for your kid is, is essentially more of a say, more of a, more of a freedom to be able to acquire. Yeah. free. free I, I think that as much as capitalism gets its, you know, it's criticism. I think free market capitalism is probably the best and fairer system we have. Um, but we don't have free market capitalism. Yeah, I was just about to ask yeah. you, do we have that though? We don't have that, no. But I think if we somehow manage to get that, I think it would be better for everyone. Because everyone talks about everyone talks about maybe not everyone, but you know, socialism is obviously, you know, the government takes care of everyone. But the only way the government can take care of everyone is if they take from someone else. So it can't take care of everyone because it's taken from someone else to give to someone else, mm. if that makes sense. So what happened to the person that they took from? That's not taking care of everyone. So then you don't have socialism. You just have a system where government's picking and choosing. So if we have free market capitalism, at least you're available. You, at least you have the ability to try and shape your own destiny, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah. So are you saying that we're not on a level playing field then? Um. We are for some people, and we and for some people we're not. Who who are the some people? Do you, do you feel like you're on a on a level playing field? Uh, no, of course not. <laughs> <laughs> of course not. But you know, um, I'm striving for one, and I'm gonna achieve one. But I'm gonna achieve one through. I'm gonna achieve one myself. I'm not gonna achieve one through socialism or a government program or uh, yeah. some sort of handout because it's just if. There's always no one gives without take. No one gives without taking in this world. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. what about you? He's saying, do you yeah. f- do you yeah, feel you, like? What do you think? Do you feel like you're on a level playing field, and you know you've got the same opportunity? You've had the same opportunities that that everyone else has. Yeah, oh, I mean that that goes without saying. I'm 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 like uh, definitely not, but <laughs> like, and you know, it's like I'll give you a, a crazy sort of story, like. And I don't want to sort of name no names, but I, I'm in, I'm in sort of business and technology and stuff. And, yeah. you know, in technology and stuff like that, you go and raise money and, and every now and then you have to. Um, and when I was new to it, I went to raise money, but I'd done my homework and I'd done my homework hard. So I, I went to sort of like make sure I, I built something before I went to get to sort of look for handouts. And I made sure I was growing. I made sure I was doing that. And I went to some investor meetings and some went very well and some went okay. And, and I went to this particular investor who told me that, um, told me that he has a problem with me in that he thinks I can't execute. Bearing in mind, I built something over 18 months. Oh. I built it to revenue. We were making, you know, a, a, a healthy amount of money each month and he was growing. And he believed that I didn't have the execution. So I, I didn't think anything of it. Bearing in mind, going into like 
60, 70 in investor meetings by, by a certain point, you kind of like, they look at you, you notice that they notice you're not white and there's also, there's a defense mechanism and stuff like that. So you have to also, you have to naturally start off by convincing them that you, that you're trustworthy. So there's the trust element first, whereas for somebody else, he doesn't have that trust element that he has to cross. Mm-hmm. So anyway, he told me my execution isn't, it, it, it worries him that I might not be able to execute, which is fair enough. Everyone has their, you know, perspective. But then fast forward to, to a few years, he invested 10 million pounds into somebody who has no track record of anything. He has, you know, like no track record besides one business that failed, that collapsed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it lost one point something million pounds. And he was given money bec- on, on, the, on the merit of his idea. And now how great the idea is or how bad the, the idea is, 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 is neither here nor there. But to me, it just goes to show you that there's this, you know, constant battle to have to be brilliant. And even when you're brilliant, you have to prove you're trustworthy. And when you prove you're trustworthy, you have to prove to them that you're, you're, you're going to continually be trustworthy. And so it's this constant battle of these eyes that are watching you, as opposed to somebody who's being pushed from behind and telling them, you know, the sky's the limit and that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I understand that we, we, we're able to navigate that. Um, having grown up in it and what's, what not. And, you know, we know that we have to do it with our own hands. And then once we sort of prove to them that, you know, now, now we're going to interview you. Like we're going to flip the script and I'm going to interview you. Why should you be an investor here? Why should we take money from you? Because money is everywhere right now. Mm. Who are you? And it's just like this mindset is like what, what, what I, I was speaking to the, you know, the founders of Goodman and, you know, you guys are doing an amazing job and you guys have created a brand out of nothing and you guys got people behind you. And it's like, now you have to be, you have to like take that with pride. You know what I mean? And say to them, hold on, why should I take money from you? Cause we've already got something going on over here mm-hmm. and, and collectively the no show and, and good man and all our, our movements, we've got something going on over here. Why should we take money from you? And it's that once we flip the script, that's when we provide that real value for each other. And that's the mindset I want to pass on to sort of my kids to say to them, actually, you don't need no certificate from no university. You need your hands and your mind. If you know how to use your hands and build, if you know how to use your mind and conjure up ideas and, and stuff like that, then you're going to make a killing, but you don't need to worry about that. And it's just imbuing them with confidence, if you know what I mean. Would you, would you class that as like, contrarian views um Hussein saying that you don't need um any qualifications that is I mean (laughs) (laughs) because like we can say that and I feel like I've always known that when I have children I'm going to tell them straight listen (laughs) everything you've that I've once thought was true as in like you you know qualifications is everything you know Uh, it's all bullshit so like how do you feel? Do you feel like, you, you know, you're going to do the same thing to your children? Yeah. I mean, yeah, man, it's a hundred percent, man. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know if I would never, ever say don't go to school, don't go to university, but I would let them know that there is other options because I just feel like coming from our background, there was no other options. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just school where some of us could have got jobs at 16, 18 and worked our ways up and been earning more money with no student loan debts and all that stuff than some people are now. Also, what you got to remember is, let's say, what's, what's out there in society right now? What does everyone mostly believe? You go to school, you go to university, you get a good job. That job starts paying you life-changing money. And it's possible for some people, don't get me wrong, it is. But for the majority of people, it's not possible to achieve, you know, financial freedom through just your job that you've paid an extraordinary amount of money to go to university, to get the degree, to get with the debt now coming out of your paycheck every single month before you can even, before you, you before you even touch the money, it's, there's subtractions that are just coming out kind of thing. So you want to do the opposite to what everyone is doing. Do you know what I mean? And right now, 
what's everyone telling you to do? Go to school, get a, get a degree. In investing, what's everyone telling you to do right now? Oh, just buy a house and rent it out. So you don't want to do what everyone else is doing because there's definitely a confirmation bias when everyone else is doing something. So you want to do the opposite of what those people are doing because there's clearly some delusion involved in that, in what's going on over there because everyone is believing that they're doing the right thing until they realize that they're not. And if you've gone through a situation where you've realized that once you, what you once thought was right and it turned out to be completely wrong, you then know to at least question what everyone else is doing for, for the next time. So you can apply that to investing as well. Do you know what I mean? Like just don't do what everyone else is doing. Try and pick what they're going to do next before they even know what they're going to do next. Do you know what I mean? So that's, that's how you benefit. It's, it's, it's really interesting when we sort of like touch on onto this and I want to move on from it, but it's just a, a, a little bit of trivia. Like mm. what most people don't know is, is that when universities were actually set up and, and the oldest universities were the ones in Italy and, and in the, in the UK, etc., And in France, France had the earliest universities. Uh-huh. Universities were never seen as, as a place where they educate you and you, you're going to come out with a degree. Universities were seen as communities, mm. communities of intelligent people, community where you go and to, you go and meet other intelligent people, but you go and meet other connected people. Mm. You, have a, you go and meet other connected families. We went in to go and get degrees. We never went in to go and get connections. Mm-hmm. And this is the problem. So, mm-hmm. and also then you leave uni and you sort of have this financial burden. And then this is when sort of the, the mental health entrapments come along. And then you're like, okay, now, yeah, and you don't realize you're going through some mental health entrapments. So you just think that this is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And so like, Talk me through sort of those earlier financial stresses that you, you've encountered and how you, how you dealt with it. Well, like at university. Past university, once you've like, once you got into the real world. Um, I think my biggest issue was understanding credit and just how to leverage credit um, to acquire, you know, assets. And I just didn't really understand that until I'll say maybe when I got to like age 26, 27. And even now I've come to learn a lot more in the, in the past three years. So I wouldn't say there was, there was like struggle, but I would say, you know, what I really wanted, I just didn't know how to get it. You know? But but I mean, my, my, my sort of, what I'm, what I'm trying to get to is, is what's the relationship between the fin- financial situation and your financial goals and mental health. Is there one? Yeah, of course, man. I mean, like financial stresses is like, it causes a lot of, do you know what I mean? It, it, it puts a lot of strain on you physically and mentally. So there's no, there's no doubt about it. That's one of the biggest stresses to have in life, you know, financial issues. Now, once you've got financial issues, like that, that its own creates its uh, whole set of issues in your life. Do you know what I mean? So, it's like it's just laid some some issues, eggs, like all over the place in your life. Do you know what I mean? So you want to try and get on top of that first. Um, but also take care of your mental health with, you know, the way you eat, your working out and stuff like that, you know, making sure you're, you're exercising at least. Do you know what I mean? No one's saying you need to go to gym and, you know, pump 100 kg or do boxing or anything like that. You don't need to do all of those things. You can, if you want to, but at least make sure you're, you know, getting your daily recommended exercise in. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm more, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to tie the, and maybe it's not there. Maybe I'm just trying to link financial sort of um, knowledge and financial education with mental health and how having one sort of eradicates the other where you sort of come into life with equipped with fi- financial knowledge and, and knowing how to navigate this world after past university, knowing that how to network and get into different places and whatnot and, and sort of how that plays onto mental health. And obviously the theme of today is, is, is finances. I just want to see is, do you guys think there's a link between the two? No, there's definitely a link. Yeah. I, I think hundred percent there's a link. Um, it's just what you, the kind of link that is there um, for the individual and what the individual can do to make sure that the link is 
at least a positive one and not a negative one. Um, which is like some of the things I was identifying. I was going through with my, what I was, what I was saying last. Um, so there's definitely a link. Um, we don't need to do no studies or anything on that. Uh, you, I think there, there definitely have been studies done, but you know, just being a normal human being who's lived through life, you would know that there's a link between the two. So, um, but in, so yeah. in the case, in the case of like, cause you mentioned you have a, you have a child. Mm-hmm. Let's say he, he hits sort of teenage years. How, how would you sort of, how would you advise him? If you were advising him and mm-hmm. he's at the age of say 16, 17, mm-hmm. what kind of advice would you give him? Um, just, you know, whatever advice suited at the time, you know, with the way the world was, because <clears throat> I don't know how the world's going to be when he's 16, number one. Number two, I know whatever advice I do give him will be better than the advice that I had and will be applicable because I have the fact I'm con- continuously learning about, you know, I'm continuously trying to beef up my financial literacy. You know what I mean? So <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is I would obviously let him know what I know. And I feel like that alone will take some of that pressure and burden off him because now he's not just in the jungle without even knowing how he's going to operate. He's got someone who's been through the jungle who's going to, you know, at least give him a little map or something and some, you know, some essentials like a compass uh, for a moment or like, do you know what I mean? It's just stuff that you would need. Not, not literally, but I'm just saying like mm. equip him at least, do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that's that's how I think that would, that I think that's what would help him not be as, you know, um, mentally challenged by the financial stresses. Does that make sense? Do you know what? It's funny at the beginning of the podcast, um, or even before we started the podcast, you were talking about illusions. And I feel like when it comes to our mental health and money, when you're, when you believe in that illusion of money is everything, then it can play, you know, have impact on your mental health. Mm-hmm. But essentially I can, I can, I can say that the three of us, we're after freedom. Mm-hmm. It's more than just the money mm-hmm. You know The money isn't everything I don't have bad days Because I don't have A million I don't have a hundred grand To just splurge mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's because you want freedom You just want to live life Under your own terms Yeah And You then realise that Right It takes a lot to actually Get to that level And I think that's what can I mean I mean, When, when, when it's freedom you're after You know There's less pressure Mm. On your mental health When you, when it's money That you're focused on Like actual Like fiat currency Like you have a certain number You want mm. Then That can be That can have Impact on someone's mental health Like majorly So I just feel like it's It's very important to To know what it is you're, Why you're Why you want Like what's your why basically Like why Do you want to be Financially free uh, Is it the money you're after Or you know, do you have a purpose and it requires money to, to get there? Do you know what I mean? No, I completely get, I completely get you. And essentially, I think Dave Chappelle said it was like, it's just a fuel for choices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. all it is. And yeah, we, literally. we just want to be able to make choices. Yeah. hundred percent, man. But yeah, definitely. If you want to, if you want to get your choices and keep your choices, you need to not chase fiat money. You need to chase value assets. Um, do you know what I mean? Like you need to not save your wealth in fiat currency. Fiat currency is designed to keep you entrapped in, in the fiat currency system. So you need to have, you need, obviously we all need fiat currency, but you need to have, you know, your, your wealth invested in other places. What would you like describe as like wealth? Wealth, I mean like for, for, the, for the average guy or like for everyone? Just for you personally. For me personally, wealth, um, yeah, that's just, that's land, precious metals, um, your knowledge, your, your, your mentality is your biggest, that's, that's one of, that's a main source of wealth as well. Um, but yeah, anything, that's why I like, I like crypto, but like anything digital and not real, you need to understand what it is. You need to know that this is, you know, it's an illusion, but you can use some illusions to your advantage to obtain real things. You know what I mean? So fiat currency, cryptocurrency, use them as tools, you know, like 
you can grow your portfolios with with cryptocurrency, but remember you need to move the money around. You need to keep the money in different asset classes. I find like, a, especially with the crypto hype today, a lot of people are solely invested in crypto and like, it's, it's not a good idea. No smart investor has a hundred percent of their portfolio in crypto or a hundred percent of their portfolio in stocks. You know what I mean? Because, you know, like it's not, these things last as long as they last, you know what I mean? And if you aren't the most savvy or experienced investor, you can't go through a, a prolonged bear market where things have crashed and are just low for a bit. You know what I mean? So why would you want to hedge all your wealth in one asset class? So if you want to become free, you need a diversified portfolio. You need to not be enslaved to your investment, that concentrated. You don't, you can't concentrate your wealth in one place. Otherwise that's, you know, keeping you within that entrapment. What do they call it? Married to your bags. Yeah. Married to your bags. Yeah. That's what people, that's what happens to people a lot. They get married to their investment and they never see the point of, you know, move, re reevaluing their investment or selling some. Mm. <laughs> like actually, because, you know, if you're seeing your profits on a screen, you're not doing anything with it, then it's not really profits, isn't it? It's just it's unrealized gains. You're just, you're just looking at it. <laughs> like, so you have to, you know, when you see some profits in your investments, you need to take those. You need to move those elsewhere. Maybe if you want to reinvest, reinvest that's fine if you're into you feel if you're investing in dividends and dividend um paying stocks that's good use the dividend to reinvest but sometimes don't just concentrate back in that stock sometimes you know take the dividends elsewhere you know what i mean so yeah so i just wanted to add to that yeah lovely yeah well that was a good conversation guys just gonna wrap it up Thank you very much follow yeah, from that's nice one man thanks for having me man thank you for joining us on the podcast you saying Thank you very much. Oh, for it's my pleasure, man. Hosting. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, it was a really good conversation, good conversation man. man. Yeah, really good conversation. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for thank you very much for listening to. Thank you very much for listening to, Good Man Factory podcast. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, it's been a long time since I've closed. <laughs> what do I need to remember? Thank you very much for listening to. Do you put code here? Thank you very much for listening to Good Man Factory podcast. Um, I'll be, no, let's just start again. <laughs> it's, been, it's been time. It's been, it's been ages. I can't lie. <laughs> Let me start again. Start again. Yo, 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 yo. Thank you very much for listening to Good Man Factory podcast. I'm Rizzy here signing out. Use, no, let me start again. Please, please, please. Thank you very much for listening to the Good Man Factory podcast. Use code GPOD1 at goodmanfactory.com to get 10% off product, all products. Signing out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Malik, yeah, please do it. Hey guys, it's Malik from the Good Man Factory. Thank you so much for watching today's show. Uh, make sure you use our discount code GPOD1 for all Goodman products on the website, goodmanfactory.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe. Peace. Cheese, the landlord. <laughs>